Hello, and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 86 for the week of May 18th, 2020. I'm Ben Smith, and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey, Mike. Hello. And our special guest, Dudepoint. Hello, Dudepoint. Hello. We are a group of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this week we'll be closing up Eurovision 2020. Hello, Dudepoint. You're not normally here. How are you doing? Thanks for inviting me. Um, I am now starting to feel the tinges of post-Eurovision depression, even though it actually hasn't happened yet. Yeah, like I had like a weird moment this morning where I was just like, you know what? Tomorrow is supposed to be just be sitting in the Amsterdam airport, just sort of brain dead. And this is weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I think the uh, tinges of post-Eurovision depression uh, kind of kicked in. When was that? Middle of March? Uh, whenever the announcement came <laughs> down. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been great these last several weeks, uh, however, however long it's been. Uh, t- time, time is much a flat like circle. It means flat nothing. Circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's it's weird that to like finally be at the point where it's like, all right actually looking ahead to 2021 now so yay uh yeah <laughs> uh but yeah uh dupont uh thank you for joining us um how did you get introduced to eurovision so i'm an american living in london and i got introduced to eurovision the year that Lorene won um, so Euphoria really is my favorite Eurovision winner of all time, but legitimately, I don't just say that to have an answer. And I saw it on TV and I was like, this is amazing. And then by 2017, I had fallen down the rabbit hole to the point where I was attending uh, national finals. Um, oh, wow. So it was a pretty quick descent. 2016 was my first live Eurovision. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, wow. That That is a good one to start with. Uh, wh- mm-hmm. Which national finals have you been to? I've been to Iceland. Uh, I've been to Iceland twice. Uh, I've been to Estonia. I've been to Latvia. And I've been to Sweden. Wow, that's a really good selection. Uh, <laughs> yes. Part of the reason that you're here is uh, we, we had commented on the Riga Beaver back in, oh, like episode 76, it, it, a, a while in back. The, in the before times, you know, yeah. I was being real cavalier with, with trying to figure out why the Riga Beaver was a thing. And then you very quickly swooped in on Twitter and and mentioned that there was more to the story. And I was just like, we should put a pin in that for later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's later. Yeah, I feel like I'm the... um world's foremost non-Latvian expert on the Riga Beaver because I've been following the Riga Beaver's career outside of beaverdom um, and have actually seen him live twice uh, performing. So what what is the story of the Riga Beaver? Because we kind of did a Cliff's Notes version where it was, I guess, in response to like a pest problem that Latvia was experiencing and it somehow worked its way into the supernova process. <laughs> Riga is an absolutely gorgeous city. It's got Art Nouveau architecture, but it also has all of these canals. And they had problems with beavers. Pretty much, there's no natural predator for beavers. So Hmm. the beavers were just overpopulating. They'd jump out of the canals. Sometimes they'd attack people. And in 2015, (laughs) um, because a lot of Eurovision national finals uh, will not air their commercials in other countries due to rights reasons. Mm. Um, what Latvia Supernova does is during the ad breaks, they will have a DJ. And then in 2015 and 2016, they had the hashtag ad break beaver. So 
due to some connections with the television company, uh, they got this guy, Cosmins, who's a comedian and a clown, to dress up in a beaver costume and play Regus Beavers. Um, and essentially just be a, a comedian in a beaver costume during all of the ad breaks. And it became this cult thing within the community that lasted for 2015 and 2016. Wow. And... Was it Supernova that approached him, or did, or like, <laughs> I, I don't know how, how much into the uh, wheeling and dealing you were involved in or like, you know about, but I, I kind of like the idea that the show came up with this and then, uh, yes, did casting. Or <laughs> so, um, Latvia is really small. It's got a population mm. of one point nine million people, and my understanding is that the show approached him because. Um, he's one of he's a comedian in Latvia, and he also has a role on a late night television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the Midnight Show at Seven, and he's one of the recurring characters on that. So he's a known okay. commodity in Latvian comedy. Um, he can speak English, and they were like, "Great, we've got somebody who's bilingual. Can you come and do this performance?" Um, and he's very good at physical comedy because of his training as a clown. This is all making so much more I, I'm, sense. I'm just, and as yeah. someone who did not really realize the Regal Beaver was a thing until you told me about it, Mike, I'm th- just the layers upon layers of how deep this goes is great. Yes. Uh- <laughs> and, and-, and it, so around 2015, the year that he was on Supernova, he was also, like, Latvian television is strange in the best ways. So he was also on a television show in the morning with his um, sport punk ska band. They're a sport punk orchestra called Renastinus, which means morning boner. And they did morning aerobics. <laughs> they did morning aerobics with two aerobics instructors. So you have two aerobics instructors and then these like six punk rock scraggly guys in the background mm-hmm. all doing aerobics. I've been in lockdown. This has been a go-to video for me. So they he he had a record of being on Latvian television doing strange things. Wow. All right. Uh, <laughs> and like, he ended up being a contestant on Supernova at some point, wasn't he? Or Yes. So he was on Supernova as the Beaver in 2015 and 2016. They mm-hmm. um, had some personnel changes, so he didn't get to be the Beaver um, in 2017 and 2018. But then in 2019, the house band of Midnight Show at Seven, Jilly Violets, they entered Supernova with a song called Folk Song, and Cosmins is the guest vocalist on that, and his entire job in that song is pretty much to speak nonsense French, because he doesn't speak French, <laughs> but it sounds like he can speak French. It's all I want to see. Your eyes are set on me. And if you want to be so he was a contestant in the 2019 supernova competition that's great I- <laughs> yes this is this is all delightful i love weird european tv like that's one thing i've just gotten from watching more and more national finals it's just this is great so i was super excited because i love cosmins and i managed to get a ticket for supernova 2019 so i flew to latvia and went to the television studio. Everybody in there was like 25 years old, dressed like they were going to the club. 
And then there was me and my better half, the only non-Latvians there, watching this entire show and seeing him up close and live was phenomenal. It was it was hilarious. I think it came off better live than on screen because there's a moment that they threw in for the final where in in the music video, um, Cosmins falls and mm-hmm. In the live performance, they got his brother to dress up in a head-to-toe, like, black gimp suit. As you do, yes. And uh, when Cosmins falls over, he does a slow-mo fall with his brother holding him the entire time and then holding the mic. So there's a man dressed entirely in black that you can't ignore, but also kind of blends in. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, I was watching that video, the way it was cut on TV, it, just like lots of flashes. And you could see that he's sort of leaning over and at an angle. And it's like, oh, is he wearing like those weird gravity boot things that you sometimes see in performances? But then it's like, wait, no, there's there's a person behind? What What is going on? But it was like flashing in such a way where like you really couldn't tell what was happening. And then like once it got to the part where like the guy's holding the microphone for him, it's like, oh, okay, well... <laughs> It makes sense in that I understand the objects on uh, on screen, but <laughs> like I'm just like, oh, that's just like shades of like hot chips over and over video, where mm-hmm. like the whole where like the whole bit is that like everything is being green screened, even the band. So you you will cut between like the actual footage of the video and then just like a bunch of people in a green studio wearing green game suits doing what's on screen for the band. Yeah, it, it's oh, it's pretty amazing, um, and pretty hilarious. It was only one little moment of Cosman's, like maybe five minutes on stage. So a month later, I found out his band was playing in Riga at a tiny, tiny club. So I flew out to Latvia to go see his band perform. Oh, cool. Um, And that's when I got to meet Cosman's and he was absolutely amazing in person and just really excited that he has fans outside of Latvia because he's he's kind of like a C-list celebrity in Latvia. People know who he is, but he's mm. not that famous. So to have people internationally who appreciate his work, especially as the beaver, means a lot to him. And one thing he really wants to make happen is to have the beaver deliver the points for Latvia at a Eurovision final. Which I think would be oh, amazing. Yes, yeah. I, I will. I will immediately <laughs> sign that petition. Where, where do I need to? Where do I need to sign? This is one of the joys of national final season: is falling down these wormholes, and then ending up a fan of something really obscure. Like I still watch Midnight Show at seven on YouTube, even though I can't understand Latvian at all, just because mm-hmm. it's still funny to me. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like with Albania's process where. You're waiting for the feed to start and they just play the same like six ads over and over again. They're just like, oh, there's that grandma's cooking show that I really keep meaning to go back to. <laughs> those ads I, make it look like fun. So. Oh, yeah. I'm just remembering like last winter where, where you were mentioning like the sexy Theraflu ad from Albania. And I'm like, Mike, can you can you send me the video? Of oh, the, yeah. Yeah. Of the sexy <laughs> Theraflu ad so that I understand what that is. Yeah. I guess in terms of like 
Eurovision getting possibly more mainstream. Uh, we found out a lot more stuff about the Netflix movie uh, in the last couple of days. We thought that it was going to be delayed indefinitely since there's no contest since Netflix this year. had been real quiet about it after yeah. after cancellation. Yeah, they dropped the first song from the movie on Spotify. Uh, it's called Volcano Man. Yeah, they uh, released a video for it over the weekend and announced that the movie and the full soundtrack will be dropping on Friday, June 26. So mark your calendars. I do notice that they've given it a subtitle of the story of Fire Saga, which sounds very similar to the to the YA novel series that you and I are, are workshopping, Mike. So we might want to <laughs> contact legal. Get some of that sweet, sweet Netflix litigation. There we go. Uh, uh, yeah. Did, did either of you get a chance to watch the video clip? Yes. Yes. It is amazing. Um, the song itself, like I've listened to Volcano Song about 50 times over the past day and a half because it's only one minute and 20 seconds long and it's so it, it captures your vision so well it feels very kano which is which is a good thing to do like if you like they're, if they're if you're gonna copy what's done well at your vision the last few years that's a very good way to go i don't know like it, it's it's making me nervous, I guess. I mean, like, I, I think it's pretty well documented that I did not really care for Kano all that much last year. I've, I've come around on that, but it took about a year for me to come around on that. So I don't know. Like, it, it's, I feel like it's really tiptoeing on the line of, like, being, like, fun joshing and being mean-spirited. And I'm really hoping it's staying on the, like, fun joshing side of that line. In in reading an interview with Will Ferrell, though, I feel much more at, at peace just in reading like what his influences were and how long mm-hmm. he has been watching this because his his wife is Swedish. Yeah. He's been watching this for about 20 years. I'm less concerned than like when we were initially discussing this a year ago. And I also feel that Will Ferrell's track record with out there projects like Casa de Mi Padre, where he made a movie where he had to speak entirely in Spanish or his um, Milwaukee uh, beer ads. They are really good pushing the boundaries alt comedy. So I'm excited when he does comedy well, he does it really well. I'm just hoping this mm-hmm. isn't another Sherlock Holmes, which I watched. Oh, and yeah, that, yeah. W- that was rough. Yeah. Yeah, back when I was in college and uh, working a summer job uh, on on the campus, uh, that was a summer where like every other movie that came out had Will Ferrell in it, and the movie theater in town that had only one screen brought every Will Ferrell movie, and it's just like, all right, I really don't want to watch Kicking and Screaming. About halfway through, it really was a decision of, well, this place has air conditioning, <laughs> But I'm not even sure if that's enough to make me want to stay. <laughs> so uh, if, if it's better than kicking and screaming, I think that that that's a good bar to clear. So. <laughs> I'm really hoping this rises to the level of, in terms of the Will Ferrell genre movies that investigate a community, I'm hoping it rises to Talladega mm. Nights. I'll be happy if it rises to Blades of Glory. I'm kind of expecting Blades of Glory vibes and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I am cautiously optimistic about this now, and I, I I was not when it first got announced. On the on the other hand, Will Ferrell's getting to spend a lot of Netflix's money on this, so hopefully he's allowed the creative control a lot of people who get Netflix's money and a blank check get to do. And the video looks amazing. Like Rachel McAdams looks like a Eurovision contestant. So I have mm-hmm. hopes for that. Yeah. Elsewhere in news, the official Eurovision album is finally out there. Uh, the CD will be available on May twenty second. 
It has been like a great week for for Eurovision adjacent things, given that we were supposed to have actual Eurovision this week. Uh, Kano's album was out on Friday, which Mike, I like. You have warmed to them now. It's a real good album. There's some bangers on there. In bed with a wolf. Oh, so unexpected. Yeah. Watching them grow as a group over the past year has been a lot of fun. Uh, they did a live stream concert for that yesterday. Uh, I tuned in for like the last 15 minutes of it, but that was that was a lot of fun. Dathi Frere did Euro Dathi yesterday. Uh, highly recommend watching that. That it brightened my Friday. I cried through the whole thing, and they were tears of joy because he gets it so much. And it was just a delight to hear him covering such a wide range of songs. Like, Iceland 1986 was fantastic. He had a deep well of, of covers he was pulling from. Somehow, I did not have Dothi Fair covering Hatri Mutsigra on my list for this. And when it popped up, I was just blown away at how he reinterpreted it. Yeah. Speaking, actually, of reinterpretations, did you see Clemens and his interpretation of Duncan Lawrence's Arcade that he did at the Iceland Eurovision special this week, which was completely unexpected, and a lot of people were sharing it on Twitter with the video going, this is Clemens, this is Hattari, unexpected, but also really good. I saw the clips, yeah. and I need, I need to go back. Just as a reminder from all the UK fans out there, Suri also uh, launched her EP on Friday, mm. and she also did a live stream of her EP, which is available. It includes a cover of Silent Storm for all the Eurovision fans out there. Mm. And again, it also made me cry. There's a lot of tears going on this week. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough week for everybody. Um, I mean, yeah. So <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to go through that again. Oh. <laughs> the content is yeah, for that- Patreon supporters only. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a really good year, even if it didn't wrap up the way that we all wanted it to. Yeah, I mean, it's been fascinating just seeing like how the fandom's been reacting and adapting and supporting each other. And the last six or so weeks, it's just been fantastic to still be this connected and I, I feel in some ways even more engaged than previous years uh as we're just trying to make do I, I feel like in a way it is more accessible in lieu of the pre-parties which are very mm-hmm. you can only fit 400 people into london's cafe de paris which is small right so this is a way to make things more accessible more global and I hope it's going to end up bringing in more fans, especially with acts like The Roop and Dottie going viral. Mm-hmm. Starting with Eurostream might be a good one since we helped out with that. Dottie was the winner, Ooh. which did not surprise me. I caught the the final of that last week, and that was so fun to watch everybody come together and you know everybody got to play announcer. Everybody got to play points presenter. It was a lot of fun. It's amazing what was accomplished in such a short amount of time. And, yeah. Uh, and also makes you appreciate just how difficult a project like this is. And I mean, you're it's not involving satellite feeds necessarily. It's just like a, a lot of Zoom, a lot of Skype, that sort of thing. But yeah, just the the scale, uh, like imagining this on the scale of something like Eurovision. It's like, wow, that is amazing what they are able to do uh for a three-hour show oh yeah and, and then uh the new york times had an article just about mm-hmm. sort of fan response and it covered a different stream thing that was not Eurostream. that that was just like some friends over zoom mm. and that was 
that was crazy. I'm part of a Eurovision group that did the, that sort of thing, uh, where it was, I think there's like about a hundred people in the group and uh, they had like a couple of Zoom semifinals and then a Zoom grand final. And it kind of inspired me to start collecting all of the vote data wherever I could find it, since we're not going to get like an actual vote. I thought it might be interesting to see if there's a way to kind of figure out who the composite winner would be just from like all the different fan sites, OGAE, all of the broadcasters hosting their own 12 points specials uh, in the past week. And the data is still incomplete, like still waiting on a couple of things to come in. Yeah, it looks like Iceland was going to run away with this, even with all of the outstanding points coming in. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody was going to catch up with Iceland. But as it stands right now, with it's like 22 or 23 different scoring mechanisms coming in. Uh, the top 10 uh, would have been Iceland, Lithuania, Switzerland and Russia tied, but uh, Switzerland had more points from the different formats. So uh, Switzerland's third, Russia's fourth, uh, Bulgaria, Italy, Sweden, Malta, Germany. And for 10th place, there was a tie between Azerbaijan and Norway, and it had to go all the way to a count back to figure out how that tie was getting broken. Wow. It was interesting to see like just how close everything was if you were a country that was not Iceland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like we have talked about how we're going to be arguing over who would have won 2020 until the heat death of the universe. But on the other hand, I'm pretty sure we all agree it was going to be Iceland. Well, see, point. I don't know about that. Like Iceland, I want them to win. I, I'm a huge Zaddy Freyer fan, but I'm also a little nervous about what would have happened in rehearsals. I'm thinking here of 2017, when uh, Frank Gabbiani was, you know, the clear mm -hmm. favorite. And if we hadn't had Eurovision, he probably would have won. But when you have live performances and live rehearsals, the whole thing can change. And I think that Diodato, just because of the story behind the pandemic, may have gone up there. Bulgaria may have gone up there. Russia may have dropped. So we'll never know, and we can continue arguing it until the heat death of the universe. But I do agree it should have been Iceland. To be fair, like, some of this data is super sketchy. Like, it, it includes that uh, RTVE uh, poll from Spain, where Spain was the winner. Uh, <laughs> so, um... Uh, that's like the so, one rule is that right. you can't vote for yourself. But this is Spain. Right. And, and like there were other countries that followed that rule. So like that, that data is a little weird. Uh, the one that I thought was really interesting uh, was the YouTube data that I pulled. And uh, rather than pulling uh, just raw YouTube views, because that's a number that's very easy to goose, I was looking at the ratio of likes and dislikes and... I'll, I'll give you each a guess as to which country won YouTube. Uh, ben? Um, I want to say Iceland, but I'm going to go with Russia because Little Big had a following before Eurovision. And their numbers, uh, when the, the video dropped, jumped immediately. So I'm going to say Russia. I'm going to have to agree with Russia because I feel like Iceland and Lithuania had a lot of shares, but they also had a lot of TikToks versus YouTubes. The winner was Georgia. What? Yeah. Georgia. Yes. Uh, which is... I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, which I find fascinating, but I don't find it surprising. Now that I think about it, I was still thinking largely in terms of views. 
And we were talking likes and dislikes. People who love Georgia, they really love it. What was the data for that particular entry? Uh, so the way that I calculated it is taking the number of likes and then dividing it by the uh, combined likes and dislikes. So what percentage of that? And 95.26% of people who registered their like or dislike liked it. Iceland was at uh, 93% and they were in fifth. Russia was at 93.3%. They were at number four. And they were easily, like, the ones with the highest number of combined engagement. Like, they had over uh, 2.2 million likes on that video. I'm so intrigued by Georgia having the highest number of likes. And I'm trying to figure out, is it just, is it Georgians who are liking it? Is it people who enjoy dad rock? Is it people who enjoy yelling at the big five? I, I, Because the song itself is just so strange, in a very good way, but... I didn't see it as having an, a, a like this on YouTube uh, fan base. Yeah, I mean, it, it is like these numbers aren't normalized based on like the total number of likes. So, I mean, like comparing it is a little apples and oranges, uh, <laughs> oranges, apples <laughs> and oranges like to uh, compare the uh, 45,000 people who engaged with Georgia versus the 2.5 million people that engaged with Russia. On a percentage basis, like it, it's still like if you're over 90%, I think that's pretty good. And yeah, and let's see, what was the lowest one? Yeah, it was really kind of more surprising, like which one's ranked low, like Australia was 40. Yeah, I was about to ask, what was what was the, the most disliked video? Uh, it was Czech Republic's. Um, and th- these are all based on the uh, one that's marked as the official video on the Eurovision channel uh so that one is the revamped version and i think they had decided that they would have gone back to the old version but that was after like this, this was all after they're just like eh, we're not making any more updates to the channel um although france's uh, updated video was on there and that finished 16th. So good move, France. I don't know. <laughs> France's cultural minister is pleased. Yeah, and nobody yes. else yeah. is. I think that yeah. that for me ruined the song. France came out, you know, with such swagger. They said, look at us. We believe we have a winner. We are so hyped up about this entry. We're going to rent the Eiffel Tower and do a broadcast live on Sunday night. And I feel like they should have stuck to their guns. They're France. They could get away with just being like, well, we don't like what the rest of the world likes. And instead, now we've got this kind of lukewarm acoustic guitar coffee shop Tom Lieb, which is not the Tom Lieb I want. Mm. But I know I am in the minority on this one as a huge fan of the original Best in Me. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) No, no, oh, I, it's, yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I think also part of it is it's weird that it's like the revamp came out after the cancellation happened. So it's just to be like, my judgment brain kind of turned off as soon as the cancellation came through. And I think that may have also just been a product of like, oh, we don't have to talk about these songs in the podcast. So I don't have to think about them as critically. And but I don't it, know, that, that may be for the better. I, with the cancellation happening, like I stopped listening to Eurovision songs for about three weeks because I was so depressed. And... Hmm. 
when I came back to them, some were growing on me, some weren't. So it's, if I had just been listening to them in the solid chunk that I usually do from January to May, nothing but Eurovision, mm -hmm. it probably would have changed. But yeah, Tom, Tom Lieb's original would continue to grow on me because it just sticks in your head. It's comfortable. It's like mac and cheese. And it's, it's delightful. Going through all of those different polls, uh, it, it did get some points from some countries. So like, people people did like mm -hmm. it. So um, yeah, what what other songs had have grown on you? And this is for, this is for the group. Like what what songs have grown uh, in your estimation in the last couple of months? Can we talk about Belarus? <gasps> yes. 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 Because uh, that one's grown on me so much. It at first I was like, okay, this is this is fine. But like the more I listen to it, and maybe it's just like this is the type of music that I like that is not Eurovision stuff. I'm just like, oh, this is this is real nice, and like it feels expensive. It feels like it should be like an expensive jewelry ad or something in a good way. Because I've used that <laughs> I've used that in a bad way on the show before. Well, I think it might have been. I remember it was used in an ad for something that was playing during the Belarusian final. Uh, I don't remember specifically what the product was, but it was like every commercial break. It's like, why have I heard this song before? Oh, right. It was <laughs> oh, right five minutes ago. Are you conflating it perhaps with the jeweled kind of headdress that she wore in the Belarusian Maybe. national final? Yeah, I, yeah. I, but I am with you. Like, I love that song now. And looking at what Val has done with it, every time they perform it in a live setting with a home concert, without some, without, uh, uh, without the electronic backing with it, they do something new with it. And it's absolutely amazing. I really liked that one. And yeah, like I'm, I'm always rooting for Belarus, uh, even when I don't particularly care for their entries, like uh, 2018. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just like, oh, I just I just want them to do well. They're, they're, they're trying and they're doing they're doing interesting things, uh, which I appreciate. They're always playing the game. Yeah, for one that grew on me. Uh, just like, like looking at the full list, because I, I did not take a I mean, sabbatical from listening to the music. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to keep listening to this. But, um, oh. Well, I mean, I have, I haven't, I don't want to completely monopolize the discussion, but like I have another one okay. where I like initially I started out and I had like an allergic reaction to the song and now I love it so much. Latvia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Just thinking about the various memes that we have posted about this song because it is truly the most memeable. Uh, mm -hmm. Just because, like, we had posted an image of like a penguin with a pair of symbols, and that was that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And still breathing, and now, like, I keep referring to it as the Kool Aid Man because it just smashes through my brain at random intervals throughout the week. The song gets better every time Samantha Tina performs it because she adds mm -hmm. an extra layer. Like she'll add a live drummer or she'll add uh, a live drummer and a guitarist. And well, I'm hoping in Love Shine Light uh, tonight, we will get maybe Samantha Tina with a full symphony orchestra 
because she just keeps <laughs> upping the ante. She is the queen of chaos and she mm -hmm. is phenomenal. She did a lockdown session where she did an hour long concert and she performed mm -hmm. her song from 2013. And it was fascinating for me to see the evolution of Samantha Tina from voice contestant to agent of chaos that she is now. <laughs> I just, I love her current incarnation as the wine ant and I want to be her best friend and I want to get a, I want to go on a dance floor with her and then get mimosas the day after. She's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think it was like when she was doing the morning show performance, like in her pajamas <laughs> and it's just like, okay this is this is doing something because it's like okay she really wants this for starters and then it just kept building up from there to to the point where i'm kind of glad that we didn't have to do any sort of actual predictions on how things were going to work because i'm sure we were going to way overestimate that. <laughs> oh, yes, like, I, yeah. oh yeah no because like last week i was like every time i was watching it in the same i was like oh man if i was coming to this completely blind and had not seen this before this is a lot this yes. is a lot and like i am not sure it would have qualified like, I, I think it might have squeaked through, which, thank goodness, because people needed to see it on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, like, when they announced it was, like, the closer of semi-finals, like, yes, this is correct. Yeah. <laughs> she earned that spot. <laughs> oh, Latvia. Just sending, like, yeah. when, they, when they hit it right, they send really good stuff. Yeah, they just need to improve that hit percentage i think and yes uh, not have it be like once every five years yes <laughs> a song that's really grown on me um has been ireland Because mm. at first I heard it and I saw the video and I thought it was derivative 2010 girl power pop. Mm -hmm. But then as the weeks have gone on, I've realized that I love 2010 derivative girl power pop. And even an imitation of that is better than most music out there. So mm. hearing it again and again, now every time Leslie Roy is mentioned, I'm just, I'm 100% in. She's gotten into my top 10. And I also think one thing that's really helped is that she's done a lot of outreach with fans, which has mm -hmm. worked in her favor. Which is very interesting because I thought that the way that, I, that uh, the social media launch for her uh was just totally fumbled at the gate uh like they they didn't update her facebook page her twitter like was kind of dormant at the time she's like no everything like at least update the photos to something from like not 2014 <laughs> but uh yeah like i think it was uh when she performed at the eurovision home concert and she had yes. kind of like the looping set up and it's like oh this is kind of giving me like katie tunstall vibes and like oh there, there's it's not as, it didn't feel as manufactured as the initial presentation yeah. of the tracks. Like, oh, no, this is there's something genuine going on here. Yeah, and, like, you stole my note about that one, about KT Tunstall, because I love artists like KT Tunstall. Uh, Jamie Woon also comes to mind, uh, who mm. will build up their their stuff piece by piece in front of you. I think that's par also partially why I liked Dothi so much mm -hmm. this year, is that he was very into showing you the process. And, like, that, like with Leslie Roy, that completely won me over on the yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. 
the Eurovision home concerts were actually amazing at getting me to love artists in a new way that I hadn't before. Mm-hmm. So the last one that happened on uh, Friday with Solovey and their cover of Dancing La Chatumbai. I mm-hmm. I nearly died because it was so amazing. It is the cover to end all covers of that song. I, I can't say I can't describe it in words how it made me feel. Their their whole performance is just like watching. It's like oh, I miss Keeve so much. <laughs> it just looks so like so nice and like, yeah. But that that was a fantastic cover. Um, Leia Cirque had some re- uh, had a really awesome cover two weeks ago. I think that yeah, like Leia Cirque's but... studio setup. Just like I want Leia Cirque, I want Dothy Fair, and I want Surrey to to just do like a two hour all Eurovision covers. Yes, yes, indeed. Show. I really hope that the home concerts concept is something that they hang on to even in non quarantine times. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I, 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 and I could see that being a part of the promo campaign because i i would not be surprised if if things were running as scheduled this year i think dolly probably would have done a lot of the same stuff like he seems to enjoy working out of his studio <laughs> so uh and like having that sort of fan engagement experience i think has been great great for everybody just thinking uh well not just the covers because the covers was a great idea even if we did mm-hmm. get like 37 covers of lena's satellite for some <laughs> reason yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, like I thought that that was a great addition this year, and especially because we didn't have pre-parties, it was a great way to feel much more connected to the artists. Uh, it was a great way to keep them engaged, especially since we're not having a contest this year. We are celebrating mm-hmm. the songs. And I think the connection that was made, again, one reason that Belarus has shot up in so many people's rankings is because you see them making such an effort for something like the Eurovision Home Concert, and it really endears you to them. Yeah, whereas like you had Spain kind of participating, where it's just like oh, it's just a video of uh, Universo being performed, but like they called it a special contribution, probably because they were just like, hey, Blas, do you want to do a cover? And he's like, no, I'm good. Bye. Just like, just like, <laughs> just like did not return that voicemail. What happened to Imbri? Like he started performing. Italy, Il Volo, and I was like, whoa, I think you've bitten off more than you could chew. And then he totally knocked it out of the park. And I was like, why was your live performance of I'm Alive not like this? Because if it had been, you probably would have won the whole thing. It it blew my mind. He's been putting in a lot of work. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I still follow him on the Insta. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just like he, he's still working on the craft. And uh, I mm-hmm. think I was seeing some tweets uh, during that performance. Where it's like, oh, yeah, he's been doing like a lot of vocal coaching or like t- taking a lot of vocal lessons. And it's like, oh, work's paying off. Good. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I would love to see them figure out a way to do the covers portion next year with a little bit more variance out there. And I like obviously it, there's a lot of planning involved. And if you're picking the songs via an instagram poll you can't make voters not click euphoria like i i love euphoria but also heard enough covers of this year to last me until like 2024 yeah and like when we've gotten interesting choices of song like 
like Kano covering Hatari. It's been great. So mm-hmm. just like things, things that are sort of outside the genre that uh, outside the specific shade of pop that yes, an act more is known Surrey for. covering Hard Rock. Yes, Hallelujah. exactly. <laughs> and I think the the other the recency bias also means that we lose some of the really amazing songs from way, 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 way back. Like I would love to see mm-hmm. somebody cover Dance of Ice or Poupée de Cire, Poupée de Son. Like there are some really fun ones that artists could do a lot with, but we do get Euphoria and Heroes and blah, blah, blah. If I, if I don't hear yeah. another cover yeah. of Heroes in my lifetime, I will be happy with that. Yeah, and it's been nice that they've also like been going into the back catalog, not just with songs, but with artists. The season finale, which is such a weird way of describing <laughs> the home concerts, but like the season finale episode where like they had like winners from the 90s and uh, even earlier. It's like, oh, it's I'm glad that they're still being invited to the family reunion, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, especially for Ireland, because they had such a run of dominance in Eurovision, being mm-hmm. able to remind people of that. Um Recent viewers may think it's it's all just Sweden, all just Sweden, but uh, sorry, I'm a huge Johnny Logan fan, so I, I really just want ah, more people no. to be listening to Johnny Logan. He's very good. Yeah. Well, well yeah, because just thinking about how uh, the, the song that they had asked fans to potentially contribute to was What's Another Year? It's like, yes, good. I'm glad they are, they're digging that one out because it's a very good one. There are just so many songs in the catalog that deal with pain and loss and grief and you know we've all been joking in the uk about um sorry storm and how it's taken on a new resonance for many of us in the pandemic um so when she performed it during her home concerts you know we've been crying like babies just because it means so much to us i can't say the same for victor crone's storm so Uh, (laughs) actually that was one of the best home concerts was when victor crone showed up in a lighthouse somewhere in like in a lighthouse or his lighthouse themed room and and all i could think of was the movie the lighthouse and i kept expecting willem Mm -hmm. dafoe to walk in and yell at him and yeah it didn't happen but anyway Uh, or at least not that they showed us Uh. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting artists for 2021. Any are there any anything on your wish list for 2021? Now that we are sort of at the end of normal Eurovision season 2020. RUV bring Dottie back, and Germany bring Ben Dolik back. Yeah i I would like there to be more. We've selected the artist. Here's five songs for the national final type finals. Uh, sort of like what I, I think Ukraine said. That that's what they're doing with Goe and. Uh, I have to think that there are other processes that are going to be using that sort of format as well. So we know that uh, Lithuania has invited the route back in some quality for theirs. I would love for them to have as deeply stacked a bench as they had this year, where I'm mm-hmm. rooting for like eight different things to win and somehow be allowed in. Yeah, Lithuania was such a glow up of a national final. Yes, that, that is the appropriate <laughs> way to describe it. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that it's just like now that Lithuania does have this new-ish process they now have this new element of oh well there's the returning champion maybe other countries could consider having that be the process like maybe this is like two years down the line where all right the winner of 2021 goes to eurovision and then they come back for 2022 and it's like all right 
King of the Mountain type setup and like will Dami E be able to take down Montaigne like that sort of thing and I, I I would be interested in watching that okay as somebody who attended the Norwegian Melody Grand Prix final in 2018 where Alexander mm-hmm. Reback entered with oh yeah <laughs> that's how you write a song <laughs> I would be very much against this idea. Um, <laughs> as, as, that is an excellent counterexample. Yeah. Mm, I, I do think... That is very fair. Yeah, uh. I, I mean, and also looking at Melody Festival and when, when Loreen and her powerful statements lost to Anton Hagman, I, I would hate to see upsets like that happening as well. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess like artist egos would probably need to be consider yeah. Mm. yeah i don't fully retract my idea <laughs> but i may need to uh fine-tune it a little but bit but also so. if it works for you if it doesn't work for you then don't do yeah. it yeah no well i mean also if, like if it doesn't work for the group uh that may also be uh <laughs> yeah even more evidence to the contrary so hmm. um one thing i would like to see in 2021 is for melody festival and to not send a solo male artist this year was going to be the year we finally got a woman after ages and nope yeah yeah and uh, italy start paying attention to that yeah as well. also italy so. <laughs> you're not doing great on that regard uh, italy bring elodie back challenge and baby bugo just so that we know that he's okay uh. <laughs> and again this is one of the joys of national final season that i try like it's very hard for me to go into work on a monday after and people would be like oh you know what did you do over your weekend and i can't be like bugo bugo got lost yeah. and have <laughs> but it, it consumed me that entire week i was i was fascinated oh, yeah. by the drama so this is why i love twitter and the twitter community to help me process these feelings let's say if it helps i also cannot go into work and be like well over the weekend i got real invested in 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 an, in an italian song f- contest <laughs> And I'm very mad about it. <laughs> Dothy was such a great entry point because I could just send the video to people and be like, this is great. And they were like, this is great. Where can I find more? I'm like, welcome, friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, I appreciated Russell, Russell Crowe's uh, mention where he just like retweets the fan blog. Retweets, a a, a Dutch fan says, blog. Song. <laughs> Dude, Paul, thank you for joining us. This has been a delightful conversation. Beyond Twitter, where can people find you? Do you have anything to plug? Uh, I do. Uh, I run a Eurovision blog called dudepois.fun, dudepois.fun. It's basically your general Eurovision blog, um, but with fun things like occasional fan fiction. Because really, don't you want the fan fiction of Tom Lieb and Uku Saviste coming to Eurovision and immediately becoming gym buddies. Like, they're totally bro best friends, and you know it. Yeah. I did, in fact, see your pitch for, for what the uh, what the Supergirl TV show looks like, and I will help write the spec skip script for the pilot. Excellent! The CW is going to pick it up next season. And that's all I have to plug. Go read the full thing. I will not spoil it, but there are some delightful plot twists there. You will find it hilarious, Mike. We recorded that before Europe Shine a Light, and now it's after Mm. Europe Shine a Light.
the actual show itself was was nice. I was glad that I watched both Tuesday and Thursday's rundowns of the actual songs because I didn't mm-hmm. I did like I thought that they were going to feature more in this. I wasn't sure what to expect going into Saturday's show. Yeah. There was something that I read uh, about a month ago about how the show had to be different in a way uh, so that insurance would get paid out. From my understanding, they had to, like, there couldn't be any sort of voting or competitive element. They couldn't play the full songs, uh, and or, like, they couldn't play all of the songs in full. So it was weird in a i don't think they knew who the audience was going to be for this yeah. so they kind of tried to do everything but they couldn't do everything so but they pulled back in way yeah like i i i found it as a super fan underwhelming i cannot imagine being on the team that has to like figure out the replacement event because that has to be the yeah. toughest job because you have super fans and podcast producers like us who have mm-hmm. who are way too who who know way too much about this stuff you have the casual mm-hmm. viewers who usually roll in on saturday to be surprised and delighted and there's just so many different tonal expectations you're not going to please everybody the more i go back and watch some of the the clips they were producing like the actual everybody collaborating on love shine a light i'm like oh these moments are really beautiful even if the connecting bits could have been better right yeah because it's it i mean the whole purpose of the show was to be a celebration of the artists which like if you've been following selection seasons like oh yeah like we we know who these people are we probably know too much about some of these Mm -hmm. people but uh, yeah for the casual viewer who only tunes into eurovision like once a year it's just like uh, it it would be like doing a full-fledged celebration of every miss america contestant with like full bios and like all of that and it's like i don't know who any of these people are why should mm-hmm. i care yeah well it's, it's, it's yeah just because like when we would go to like here's another five of the artists and they're all sort of doing very similar 20 second bits of just sort of general well wishes let's stay inside let's mm-hmm. be safe uh dothy frères was delightful it was just like such a breath of fresh air after a bunch of those and yeah, I mean, I think that was another part of it where it's just like this was a not knowing what sort of tone to strike. It ended up being a rather humorless event mm-hmm. for like 95 percent of it, which is which like I, I get that like humor is tough under normal circumstances and we are nowhere near normal circumstances right now. Right. Yeah. And, it, and like you think of like the green room banter and stuff and just like how like awards show comedy awful like eurovision typically is and it's like oh well that would be the absolute mm-hmm. wrong tone yeah that, but... that would be that would be bad like the tweets would be worse if, if it had been that oh goodness i didn't even consider that yeah but <laughs> at least the performances that they did like the special performances mm-hmm. that were part of the presentation i thought were fantastic they were uh, great Molitva? yeah molitva oh molitva like i'm always here for molitva like uh, a reprise of did Diodata do Firemore? Did he like, or did I? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like I'm just like, I, I think I'm just like mentally conflating his Italian cover from the the home concerts like the day before mm-hmm. in my brain, where I'm just like, oh wait, did he did he did he perform like a weirdly slow version of Volare? No. Oh no, I think he did that too. Okay. Okay. That, that was the that was the other thing where it's just like so much of 
the super fan audience has already been like engaging with these artists in that sort of way where it's like oh yeah we've already watched the the home concert performances we've already watched a lot of these clips and uh so yeah i the special wasn't really serving anything for the super fandom i mean there was still some new stuff to to watch mm-hmm. but like we weren't the target audience we were it, the target audience and like, like that's I mean, fine that's what tuesday and thursday were for i don't know if there was anything that they could have done to reach the widest audience because a, a lot uh Eurovois has been reporting on all of the audience data as it's been coming in it's a typical saturday night program mm-hmm. uh ratings wise like it, it's not pulling in the eurovision numbers and um and i think also part of it was a, a lot of the tweets that i was seeing was people being like oh this is just kind of a a downer yeah. like it was it was not escapist which i think was something that they probably should have considered a little bit more mm-hmm. it was it was nice and, and like the more i reflect on it the more i like it yeah, and there was also like a lot of news mm-hmm. that came oh, out. Oh yeah, just like all uh, just all sorts of, of news, just sort of dropping left and right as that was was happening. Uh, one thing that I admittedly had thought was confirmed already, but it was nice to have an official yes, this is happening, is that we will be in Rotterdam in 2021. Yeah, dates are still TBD, but uh, yeah, I, I I may have been tearing up a little bit when they were playing the promo video and just being like, nope, we're still doing this, and just like, oh. I hope to be there. Well, well, so. well, yeah, and like, especially like just thinking about how like various song lyrics lately are hitting real different now that we're in quarantine. The the notion of open up mm-hmm. is hitting. Yeah, which I mean, it's it's gonna be kind of exciting at the first semifinal. Like, I'm just picturing the audience just kind of chanting "open up" as the show is getting started. And yeah, I mean, hope hopefully it'll be a situation where there is an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, They've got a year to plan for how they're going to do this, yeah. and finger, fingers crossed they're able to come up with stuff. Uh, not only is, is Eurovision coming back to Rotterdam, but Eurovision is going to be coming back with a lot of the faces from this year. While we were chatting with Dude Point, uh, we confirmed that Samantha Tina is going to be back for Latvia, uh, but Woo! also dropping uh, the news that they will be back. Sunit will be back for San Marino. Benny Cristo is going to be back for the Czech Republic. Destiny will be back for Malta, and Anna Soklik will be back for Slovenia. So far, the count is 18 artists from 2020 uh, have been confirmed for coming back. Uh, Belgium is also coming back. Like, they were, they were reconfirmed pretty early, and they may want to reconsider. Yeah, uh, how about that Hoover that Phonic? Decision. Well, l- l- let me let me put on my reading glasses, because uh, I have some thoughts about this. <laughs> is, are so... these your reading glasses or your reading glasses, Mike? Oh, these are my reading glasses. Uh, the library just opened. So uh, <laughs> Alex Callier uh, from Hoover Phonic was interviewed on some like late night talk show uh, talking about why Hoover Phonic did not participate in the uh, performance of Love Shine a Light, uh, which closed out the Europe Shine a Light special. Representatives from the other 40 countries all took part and it was it was a really well produced video number says so everybody kind of doing their own karaoke version but it was mixed really well so they were getting the harmonies in and everybody got like a line of the song or half a line whatever it took when they first announced it, i was like why did we pick that song there's lots of eurovision songs that will have that have a, a general sentiment that fits nice for it. let's do a group number about this this weird time uh, but then the as I watched, I was like, oh, this breaks down nicely into 40 discrete pieces that you can pass out. Yeah, Hoover Phonic decided not to participate. And the reason for that is Alex doesn't like the song. And 
Neat. Why are you doing Eurovision? Seriously. Yeah, if you if you sign up to do Eurovision, you should sign up to do Eurovision and like all of it. Yeah, I mean, I I realize that uh, not every not everybody's into all of the like aspects of Eurovision. That's fine. This is really special circumstances, and like you kind of signed up for this, mm-hmm. and it it's just so mind numbing that like you can't step outside of yourself for like I don't particularly like the song either, but. It's not like you have to like go whole hog because there were right th- like like if you don't like the song, this is going to take three minutes of your time tops. Here's the karaoke track. Go go into this room and do do the bit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. There were people where this is not their style of song that still did this because like right the, the female singer and Little Big collaborated. We had Tornike from Georgia. Like I I don't think he objected to it the way that. Hoover Phonics seems to be objecting to it. I think he was just like, this just isn't just like, me, well, but whatever. I mean, like, like, that was one of the fun parts of, like, American Idol whenever they would do the group numbers and be like, all right, I don't know how to do choreography. Just, like, put them in the back. Make sure the cameras don't catch them, like, failing to dance, you know? Yeah. It's just really disappointing to hear, particularly because it's just like, all right, if you think that this is, like, a step down for your artistry or your integrity or your career, why don't you step aside and let somebody where Eurovision is going to be a step up for they them. They made a stink when the when the cancellation was announced because the way that Belgium system works is that it alternates between from network to network. And they, they said something mm-hmm. along the lines of, well, I hope that the next network picks us again. I had also read that interview, and I think somewhere else he had said something along the lines of, like, if it had been, like, released as a single for charity, they might have considered it. And, like, you can just do a nice thing. It doesn't have to have a cause attached. It can just be, hey, we want to celebrate the artist. We would like the artist to do something together. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that this won't end up being for charity? Maybe they wanted to see how it like turned out first before com- uh, <laughs> confirming anything. Because yeah, it's just like if everybody's like half a second off, or it just sounded terrible, uh, which I don't think that was going to happen. But like you never know with these sort of things, particularly with the challenges of everybody suddenly having to sing into their phones instead of like, a recording studio because of circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> yeah, yeah it, it's. Extremely disappointing, but the the line is drawn. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but yeah, so, but yeah, Saturday was great. Uh, the the sort of cherry on the Sunday, I think, for me was Eurovision again, uh, doing yes. 1974, <laughs> which we have talked about mm-hmm. on our show as being a year we find very interesting. Seeing that work out and be have been in the works and taken a little bit of of maneuvering to get was was delightful. The maneuvering in particular was fascinating uh, because they had to piece it together from. Uh, footage from a number of broadcasters because nobody apparently had the complete program. So uh, at one point there was a Dutch commentary because the Dutch version was the only version that was available. That's uh, the one that we I, have I with like the, the second half of the voting sequence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just so fascinating to like watch an older contest. Watch an again. older contest and be reminded every five seconds yeah. it's the seventies right now. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. peak seventies. Uh. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John is wearing a dress that looks like it should be hanging over a roll of toilet paper in my grandma's bathroom. That was such a fun show, and it was such a short show too. I think it was like less than two it was hours, an like, hour and forty-nine minutes. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, that one's still available on the Eurovision YouTube channel. Totally go check it out. It is well worth your time. Uh, I want to hear everything you have to say about Germany's outfits, because um, you know yeah. when uh- <laughs> when we made the new Space Age fabrics, we we're like, well, these aren't man-made, so the colors can also be things that are not found in nature. And this in the in the seventies, we were all so excited about that. And the songs are really good too. Like nineteen seventy four was a solid competition and uh, god who was it who won uh, yeah some I, some i can't remember which yeah. band that was yeah there, uh, no but there were like four of them on stage yeah no they mm, yeah i wonder if they did anything else sweden yeah um but but yeah like there's like yeah. a specific strain of like lush kind of orchestral 70s pop that does that that works for me and mm-hmm. this had so many great examples of it. I loved Finland's entry because it had the kind of like shaft, like mm-hmm. guitar licks, like just subtly in the background in like the chorus. And it's like, ooh, what's going on here? This is. <laughs> and yeah, it kind of felt like there were some songs that, oh, maybe maybe we need a 70s revival at Eurovision. These are Some of these are bops. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, we didn't get the weekend we expected, but it was a good weekend overall. Yeah, we are on our way to 2021. So. Get hype. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Ben Smith. That's me. And Mike McComb. That's me. You can find us on our website at EuroWhat.com and on Twitter and Instagram at EuroWhat. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. When you subscribe, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing and help other Eurovision fans find us. Next time on the EuroWhat... Eurostream 2020 included performances from participants in the Afro Music Song Contest, so we'll be taking a look at other major song competitions to obsess over. See you in two weeks! <laughs>